Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. For those of us that deal in public information, uh, those of us in the fire world and emergency management, it's very important to make sure that the right message is being put out and the right message is being delivered to the most people that we can. And today on uh, Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, a uh, pleasure to welcome Steve Darling, who, uh, who's, a, who's a former broadcaster and is now in the public eye, or still in the public eye, I guess, as a, uh, as a city councillor. We're, we're both sort of have something in common. Uh, Steve, good day. A pleasure to have you join us this morning. Yeah, Tom, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I think, you know, as I say, in the in the public eye, and we have a bit in common in terms of being broadcasters formally, and for me, a, a journalist, broadcaster, and, and you doing the same for, for many more years, mind you, uh, and for me to to be in the, still in the public eye and uh, and work for local government, and you essentially work for local government. Um, we could have an interesting, I hopefully an interesting discussion about the way public information is perceived and how we deliver it today. First off, maybe a little background, in, and for you, I mean, you uh, you're well known in in British Columbia, at least for what you uh, were for many years on television locally. But for our Canadian, vast Canadian audience. Maybe a little background. I mean, you and I met when you were in high school in grade 12, as I recall, and maybe a bit, a bit of background on how you got to where uh, the position you're at today. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. You and I did meet way back when. Uh, and uh, after I left high school, I went to obviously broadcasting school and then started in radio like a lot of, uh, a lot of good broadcasters do because it's a great training ground within radio for broadcasting because, as we always say, there's no pictures, so you have to tell the story, which I think makes better broadcasters when they have that ability to do that. Uh, from there, I, I, I went through a number of radio stations, helped start up uh, some, some, an all-new station in Vancouver called News 1130 that's still going, and then I moved over uh, to back then BCTV back in 1998. And uh, then after it switched over to uh, Global News, which is it, which it is today, uh, I switched to the news side in 2001, seven days before 9-11, as a matter of fact. So that was the first big story that I actually covered. And, uh, and then went uh, right through uh, for the next you know, 20 years of doing uh, uh, television. I moved to the morning show and anchored that. And we were the number one morning show in Vancouver for 15 straight years. And then uh, due to budget cuts, I'm not there anymore, and so, uh, which is the way it goes. But after I left, uh, after I left uh, or they left me, so to speak, I went to, uh, I, I ran an election and, and lost provincially, but then uh, got hired at Sportsnet and then got headhunted for another company to do uh, a television broadcasting for them. So that's what I do now. I'm, I'm currently a business uh, anchor and reporter. So I interview uh, CEOs and, and presidents of publicly traded companies about what they're doing and, and, and what's happening within their companies. And we're broadcast all around the world with offices from Vancouver, Toronto, New York, London, City, and Perth. So we're all over the place. Uh, we're called Proactive Media, and I'm really enjoying it. I work with a great crew. Uh, we built a big station TV studio in Vancouver, which has been great. And uh, I hired a, a, a friend of mine that I used to work with at Global that worked on my morning show. And and then when uh, you know last last summer, I, I started thinking about trying to get back into um, into the political side of things. And and I've always been a, a big believer in, in in community service. I think it's very very important. And so. Uh, as a as a member of the media, I used to do it from the other side of trying to plug holes 
in charities that, you know, where people came up short as far as funds and things are concerned. So I thought to myself, what's a better way to try and, and sort of stop those holes from even starting than by on the, on the government side. And so I ran for council, uh, was elected, uh, quite well. I, and it was a it was a it was a, a good race because it was in Port Coquitlam and there was basically one seat left open with uh, one of the councillors moving up to take over the mayor's chair. So I uh, filled that and, and very happy so far. I'm really enjoying uh, the other side of sort of the, the media world of seeing, you know, how government works behind the scenes and how you can really make change in a in a in literally week to week. So, so that's what I'm doing now. I, I cover business news and uh, and then I'm also a city councillor. So. Uh, I also coach two soccer teams and a hockey team, so my days are pretty filled. <laughs> no, no kidding. So am I wrong when I say that there's legitimate media versus social media? Um, I would say yes and no. Yes, meaning that we'll always have our, our legitimate medias, meaning the you know, global news, the CBC, CTV, um, City, uh, ones like that, that that people recognize as as traditional media. But I think what's changing is the way that people are consuming that media. And that's where the where the danger can arise because, you know, if you watch Facebook, there's so many things passing through on Facebook that people just take them for, for gospel and that that's exactly what's happening. And so in a situation where there's an emergency, there's, um, you know, some sort of an incident, anything like that, people turning to social media, they tend to believe exactly what's happening. And if it's not coming from someone who, you know, has, has, can, can provide um, some sort of background as to why this is happening or where it's happening, then you get yourself into problems. Because what happens is people post things on Facebook or they post things on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, whatever it is, whatever mode you use, and then people immediately think it happens. And so that's where the, the danger lies is the misinformation. I don't, I don't think we'll ever lose the fact that we'll get good information from social media. It's the misinformation, I think, that overwhelms the good information. And that's where the problems arise. And I think that's where we have to be very, very careful as to what we're consuming online as the truth. And if you can do that and take everything sort of with a grain of salt, I mean, Tom, you and I know as, as broadcasters, as journalists, you know, we used to be told a lot of different things and somewhere on one side and somewhere on the other side, the truth is really in the middle. So you have to sort of be able to, using your journalistic skills, decipher what is the truth and what isn't. And on social media, you don't really have that option because you're just flooded with stuff. We, we were held to, to a credible standard. And that, that's what bothers me in this day and age is that the general public goes anywhere they want to get their information, but the information they're most likely getting is not entirely the truth yeah I, I think that you know i always advise people that you have to you have to look at, at where the source is coming from if if all of a sudden you're someone's on twitter and you know they're called like frog jog 12 and they've got you know 25 followers or something they, they may not be your most credible source you have to look for people that are are verified i think is an important thing especially when you're looking for for news uh people who have have a and if you look through their feeds you can see exactly where their a lot of their information is coming from and also if if they're leaving you know that information with an opinion um you know say for instance there's a you know some kind of a an incident um well a good example is the the shootings in the united states recently you know there if you looked at twitter or instagram more more so twitter than instagram 
it was just filled with stuff about who the why this happened, who it happened from, and then it turned out to be you know just the opposite. And so you have to really be patient and and prepare yourself to go through a number of different things like that to find a source that you feel credible with. And the other thing is always I always say we trust people in the news business for a reason because we've they've been good to us in the past. Um, you know my my for me myself here in British Columbia, I've got a, a trusted, a trusted face and I've got a trusted uh, brand that I've, I've nurtured over the years. And so when I release stuff on social media or say things on social media, people know that it's coming from a reliable source. And that's what I think is important. That is, if you're going to go looking for information, uh, find someone that you trust and that you have followed before, or the fact is try and find someone who you feel that you can take that information from and use it. But then again, be prepared that if, if you decide to believe that certain information of someone you don't know or have no idea who they are, then you're only sort of perpetrating that lie further that, that really isn't true. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have social media people that tell us things because there's a lot of information that the law enforcement and, and fire and police and all those wouldn't release at a certain time where the, the public is on the scene. They've seen something or something. That's one thing. You just have to be careful that you, you, you how you use that information. I would I would certainly hope that people did their research, and that's I guess the problem is that a lot of people don't. That to my to my opinion, and I use that word opinion again, that the public hears what they want, and they they sort of make up the rest of it if they they don't get all the information. I I, I hope that's the case, but I don't think it is. I I, I always. And, 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 you know, when we have our meetings at, at council, we talk about, you know, about certain things. And, and I always say that I'm always the, the believer that more information is better because a lot of the PR people uh, around the world are created that only put out this and don't say anything else. And in certain situations, that can be true. But in other situations where there's incidents happening, the more information that, that we can give out to the public, the better it is. Because I'd rather have the information coming from, from people that that I think should be giving the information. Like I'm in charge of public safety here in Port Coquitlam. That's my, that's my uh, portfolio. So if, if I'm in that role, I want our information coming from our, our police uh, superintendent, our fire chief, our assistant fire chief, uh, the, the people with myself, the mayor, people that I, I know that, that we can move information quickly because that way we don't, we sort of stop this, this firestorm of people just tweeting stuff that isn't true if the official source is coming from us. Are we at a point where we need to combat the fact that even though we're speaking with journalists that show up at fire scenes and show up at emergency events, that we deal with the legitimate media, uh, do we have to keep thinking about hoping the people that are on social media are getting the right information? Um, I would say that it depends on, on how you say deal with it. If you're, if you're, you know, you're, you're a chief, right? You're a fire chief. So if, if you have a, uh, an account that is followed by a number of people and there's an incident in your particular town, then the information coming from you is, is what people should be paying attention to. If someone decides to go off with something else, it's very hard to, to police that or to fire chief that, so to speak. Uh, you can't really, you can't really um, be looking, oh, is this person getting the right thing? Unless you see something that you know is blatantly wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with reacting to it and saying, um, that's not actually correct. Here's the actual, I, I'm okay with that, but you can spend your time doing that all day long when you're obviously at a, at a scene or at, a, at an incident where you need to concentrate on what's going on there. Getting information out, I think should come from, from the key sources. But, but that said, 
I think a lot of police departments can can provide better information and 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 better um, access to the media in order to get things out. I mean, we just went through a a manhunt of of two people uh, right across you know at sometimes in Ontario and other places like that. It turns out they were they were you know their bodies were found in Manitoba. What I'm saying is that that the information that they were giving, they do briefings and here's what the briefing. But if you watch the media, they're like, why aren't the police doing this? And how come the police aren't doing that? This is, and I think that that's where, where people can, can sometimes get themselves into, a, into trouble, especially in the media, where they start speculating on why they're not getting the information. And that becomes a, a different sort of, and all journalists do it because you need to fill time and you need to understand that if you're not getting the information from the police, you have to sort of decipher the information from somewhere else. That's where you see experts and people like that coming on, former police officers and former fire chief, things like that. But I think that, that how you utilize that information and not jumping to a conclusion is a good part of journalism. And, and what's happening in journalism in Canada right now is the fact that a lot of the seasoned journalists are being replaced by people who are just into the industry because networks are struggling because of you know the emergence of the internet and handheld devices and things like that. So I, I think what's happening is that those journalists tend to are, are not, they're in positions of doing journalism right from the beginning and not having that chance to season themselves. And some are very good. I mean, there's some really great journalists out there, but there are others that you, you go, they're not quite ready for where their where their position is, but because of of what they're willing to work for and their age, they're getting a lot of those kind of jobs. And so I think it's important that for you know senior management and news directors to make sure that they're they're on those journalists and teach them how to be journalists properly and really mentor them. And and I I didn't see a lot of it when I was coming up. I would always seek it out myself from some of the journalists. But I think it becomes a big issue when people don't um, or people are are new into the industry or they're or they're trying to find their way and they tend to jump to conclusions. And I think that can be a real, real mistake. Speak to the, uh, speak to the importance of the relationship that a fire chief or a public official needs to build with the media before the incident takes place. I think that's extremely important. Now, I think there has to be a line that journalists don't cross because you can't be friends. You can't go hanging out to dinner, you know, go for drinks, like that kind of stuff. That's, that's where I think, you, you cross the line and, and that's not the way journalists find stories. I think, I think people respect journalists because they're, they're hardworking. They ask good questions. They're, they're inquisitive about what's happening in particular scenes. But I think on the, on the, on the chief side or the deputy chief side or whoever it is you're dealing with incident commanders, anything like that, I think having the ability to do stories or, or, or provide information to journalists beforehand knowing that, that here's what we're going to get with this particular person. He's going to be upfront with us. He's going to be honest with us. He's going to tell us what he can up to a point. Obviously, some stuff you can't, especially when you're dealing with police incidents and things like that or crimes or anything like that. You, you, you create that relationship. I, I think it's important to have that, that professional relationship that I understand you have a job to do, but I have a job to do as well. And here's how we coexist together as a journalist and as the person who's providing the information. But I think that knowing who th those journalists are and saying that, look, I'll tell you the information I can. Some stuff I won't be able to tell you right away, but hopefully with, I will be able to tell you as we go along. But having that respect from both sides can make that situation a lot easier and a lot more manageable and probably is the right way to go about it because that way you can always say, 
okay, he's a straight shooter. Like there's been guys I've interviewed over the years and women I've interviewed over the years who have, I've said to them, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to get from them. And, but they are going to tell me what they can. and They're going to tell me the truth. And those are the people that I respect the most. It's the ones that sort of talk around an issue and not really wanting to share anything or become combative when they answer questions, things like that. Those are the ones that you, you, can be somewhat challenging. And, and also as a journalist, good interviews as well, because that's when you sort of catch people on, on what they're going in and it makes great television. But, but if you're trying to find out an, a situation where there's an incident of a, a major fire or anything like that, having that ability to, to know face-to-face who you're dealing with makes it a lot easier as a journalist to associate with the person that you're covering. I want, to, I want to talk a bit about and get your opinion again on, on the actual press conference at the emergency event, at the large event, at the big, uh, big incident in, the, in your city, in your small town, where several media uh, agencies are, are assembled, that you do the press conference. And I, I've always been told and I've learned that you want to have the, the right officials in the background. Set that up for us, especially for television. How important is that to show the, uh, the, the, the public that all these officials are here and even if they don't speak are still part of this uh, a part of the incident well i think it's i think it is important because um when when a major incident happens um you want to make sure that you have all areas covered you have fire you have police you have ambulance i mean here in canada it's, it's a little easier for that because in the u.s you're dealing with you know in a major let's say a major terrorist incident or something like that you're dealing with local police, FBI, you know, potentially CIA, depending on where it is, uh, you know, the Capitol Police, if it's in Washington, but you're dealing with a lot of different people. So they all have to be represented. In Canada, you know, it's mostly the police, fire, emergency officials, uh, meaning people that are running um, evacuation centers, people are emergency management people. So you want to have those people in the room. So when there's a question, you can provide the most information. But I always think it's important to have a, a person who becomes the point person of something like this, um, whether it's um, whether it's the, 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 the chief of police, uh, the fire chief, someone like I think you always need to have a, a point person that can then. But there's nothing wrong with updating the public as in here from the police side of things. Here's the, here's what uh, we're happening from us. From fire, here's what's happening to us. Now let's get into emergency preparedness and emergency uh, evacuations or, or call centers, anything like that. Here's what we're doing. We've set up this, this, and this. And I think it's also good to hear from, from elected officials who, who people have entrusted to run their city. I think it's important to have the mayor uh, or, or the, you know, in, in, a, in a provincial issue. I think it's important to have the premier. I think it's important to have people like that that can, that can say, and, and you don't want to be in a situation where you get melodramatic. That's not what this is about. People are looking for information. And a lot of times they're looking for comfort. And that's what those kind of situations provide is information and comfort to people. So I think it's important to have those people. But the one thing is, is you can't go on to a point where, because the media has questions they want to ask and you know where they're coming from and having that point person who can relay a lot of the information. And a lot of that works as working with the team. So I think it's always important for cities to make sure that they understand where the chain of, of command is and who's going to be a, a spokesperson and that other people don't go off and, and start saying stuff without at least having that come through the general command so they understand where all the information is coming from. And it's not to say that they can't share an opinion, that's not what I'm saying, but when it's an official situation, you want to make sure that you have the official people speaking. And then after that, 
then the others can 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 weigh in on their opinion. But in a in a serious incident, incident command, you need to have someone who's in charge, and then just go through methodically the situations that people need to get the basic information out right now. I wonder how far away we are from actually having just members of the public in a in a media scrum with a phone. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's always a potential. I've seen it before. I think we're already there. I've, I've seen people who, you know, are just walking by and, and see something and then just start taping it. So, it, you know, especially in situations where, um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, in the U.S. it's a mass shooting or something like that, where you've got people who are, are congregating in an area where there are officials just trying to hang out and see what's going on. And so you have to make, and so I think we see that a lot. But as long as your information is coming from from you know the credible source and also the place where where you've designated as this is where we're going to meet, and and that can be controlled obviously by having it in an area where media only and check that check credentials and and make sure who are you with what are you doing this is for media only this is you know that's something and we're talking about a large obviously command center then that's that's something that that usually can take place. So there is a way to, to, to control that and not saying we control like what people are doing, but at least understand that, that you're, you're having a, a news conference for a reason and you're not there just, you know, for, for anyone in the general public to film. This is to get information out to citizens as quickly as possible and as accurate as possible. When I'm curious, you know, when, when you were broadcasting on television, when you were giving a news story or breaking a news story or essentially reading it for the first time, there's a sense of responsibility that you are delivering a message that you think people always obviously need to hear and want to hear. Has has your sense of responsibility changed now that you are an elected official in terms of the fact that when you do give a public statement, it, it's important and you need it to get out, but you're not broadcasting it, but you are still the messenger. Is, that, is there a difference uh, from then and now? No, absolutely not. I mean, I was I was elected off of you know, uh, off of what I had done in my career. I mean, that's why I feel I was elected because people trust, you know, what I had to say. And so to me, I, what I say publicly has to be uh, to follow that, that, that general brand continuing on. I have to make sure that, that what I say is accurate, what I say is, is responsible, what I say has merit, or, or why tweet it out. I find I tweet less now just because I, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sort of, back when I was broadcasting, a lot of stuff I talk about, the, you know, the generalities, right? Talking about, you know, what's, oh, I just watched Game of Thrones and blah, blah, things like that. But so I, I tend to tweet less now just because the stuff that I want to tweet out now, I want to have, um, you know, more impact on it. And so I don't really, I don't really use it for a lot of different things. Like I tweet up some family stuff and things like that. Just have a, my, I have a lot of followers who had followed me through my whole career. And then I also have new followers who follow me for city stuff. So I have to have a balance of both of those. And, and you know, people, I, I come in a bit of a different situation because I was on television for so long and people, um, you know, I used to always, people used to always say, oh, you're just like a member of the family. So for me, it's, it's more of just trying to continue doing what I had done in the past, but I just make sure that if I'm going to send something out, and because of my role here as a counselor and not as the mayor, I also, a lot of the, 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 the main information I would rather have come from our mayor, because to me, he should be the point person to, to share a lot of the, of the information that comes out, and then we can, we can retweet that, we can add on to that if we like, but I think there has to be that, that main point person for uh, local government, and to me, that should always be the mayor. 
And we just happen to be lucky because we have a very active mayor uh, who's on social media. So uh, we're able to to utilize that and, and you know retweet stuff he has to say or or add to stuff as well to make sure that that people understand that we're in agreement with it or here's some more information that he didn't tweet out that we that I think is important. So, but I think there's always has to be a main point person and for for us in this city, in Port Coquitlam, uh, our mayor is the person I think should be tweeting that stuff out. In fact, I've been at events where people have said, can I get you for a couple of minutes? And I'm like, let me see if the mayor's available first because I, I want him to be front and center because he is the point person of our city. And I think it's important for him to to be the person to be the main spokesperson. I think that that's, yeah, totally, totally important. I think people will always remember, still remember, I think no matter how much social media is out there, people will still remember the major news events by the person that told them. I don't think Cat Lover one two three four is going to be the person I'll remember by breaking a news story to me. I think that'll still always be the same. Absolutely, and and you know, and for for people in British Columbia, a lot of that was was us. I mean, there were so many uh, breaking stories that we had during the morning run where we were the source of information, and and that take that I took that very very seriously, and, and it's a it's a big responsibility, and so. That's why you know we were number one for so long was the fact that people could come and get the, the main information that they needed, but they could also get all the other stuff as well when we were having fun during the morning. I think that's a that's a key to what what television is is that sometimes when and I find that with a lot of the younger broadcasters right now that their perception of what a news person should be, whereas in in what sells in in media it's personality. I mean, that's what, that's what you have to develop. And so to me, that's, that's on the onus is on managers of, of broadcasting companies and news directors and GMs and all that kind of stuff to make sure that they understand that they need to train the young broadcasters into becoming uh, broadcasters, but also make sure they have an identity and a personality. Otherwise, you get lost. And when there's so many options out there, the last thing you want to do is get lost. When you were just, when it was just one person, it was, you know, nationally, if it was a, you know, a Lloyd Robertson or whoever it was reading the news, you go, that's Lloyd. You understand who he is and what he's all about. But now in the in day of mass media and and the exposure that everyone's getting, where you can podcast like you're doing now, or you can run a, you know, literally your own show on 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 YouTube, you have to make sure that to 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 find and develop that personality to make sure that you don't get lost in the shuffle and, and develop your career properly. I heard on a talk show the other day that, that Walter Cronkite would not play in today's age. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that sort of, um, you know, I've heard that, I've heard that before with uh, Tony Parsons as well, who was, you know, the a legendary broadcaster in British Columbia and across the country. And, you know, back in the day, it was when Tony came on at six o'clock, everyone stopped and watched what Tony <laughs> was doing. And, and that was true. But I think as long as you have someone who people still respect and can deliver something with respect, then people will still continue to come to you. The problem that they're having in media these days is that people are just aren't sitting down at six o'clock anymore. So because of, you know, they're consuming their news in so, in so many different ways. So the challenge for broadcasters, traditional broadcasters, is to find out how to get that news and information to people all the time. And, and obviously there's websites and things like that. And, and But, you know, people are still finding a lot of their news from sites that they consider now. I mean, there was a time when we thought TMZ was, uh, you know, just a, a joke. 
And now TMZ is actually quoted in, 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 in news shows all over the world, TMZ reporting this, TMZ reporting that. I mean, that was unheard of. That was literally unheard of, you know, 15 years ago, where people would say, would, would, would go on something like a TMZ or a, an inquirer or anything like that and consider it legitimate news. But TMZ is now legitimate news and people have to pay attention to that. No kidding. Steve, I thank you for your time today. And I, I, you know, I appreciate the comment about, about delivering the story and, and realizing that, that I think for an emergency uh, person, emergency uh, services people, that, that legitimate media will not go away. It's going to always be there and people are still going to turn to it. And you need to uh, make sure you feed, uh, feed the beast, so to speak, and make sure that your information is, uh, is accurate and make sure that it's out there on a regular basis. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I always say to, to one thing about, um, you know, police chiefs and fire chiefs and all that is that don't don't be afraid of the media. Don't don't be as scared of saying, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say this. Go out there and give the information that you need. And there's nothing wrong with saying this is a really hard situation for myself and our crew because people there's nothing wrong with being human in front of a camera. It makes you, I think, a, a better interview, but it also makes you a, a better fire chief as well because people understand that your jobs are extremely difficult and that it weighs on you day and night and so to be able to share that with people really sort of humanizes the story that you're trying to tell and the information becomes uh, um, a lot better when you are able to understand that this information is coming from a, a person who is really concerned about about what they do for a living why they're doing it and they're trying to share that information with you in the best way they can. I'll always, uh, I will still associate 9-11 with hearing it from you because that's that's where I got it from that that fateful day to quote Ellen yeah. Jackson, so un, unreal. Uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, Steve Darling, uh, broadcaster, uh, Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, city councillor, and uh, and still in the public eye, and I guess will always be like the rest of us. Thanks, Steve, for doing this. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com and click on Hot Topics for more episodes.